You're a British dystopian film. Oh, yes, we are. That was definitely dystopian. Uh, I believe it's almost the definition of dystopian. (laughs) They literally wrote the book on dystopian. Uh, I I, I don't know if it's the first book on uh, a dystopian world. But uh, let's say what we're talking about here. We haven't even said the name of the film. Oh, are we recording? Yeah, of course we're recording. I didn't know. You didn't do any introductions. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the All You Consider Delve. This time we're talking about... The 1984 film, also known as 1984. You're really missing out, you uh, audience, on the hand gestures that are accompanying this. There's some dancing, too. Um, in any case, yes, 1984, made in 1984, a British dystopian film, written and directed by Michael Radford, based upon George Orwell's novel of the same name. And yes, I literally just read that straight <laughs> from, from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Like we often do to open our podcasts. The movie, for those of you who don't know, and I, I've never read the book, but and I knew this, so most of you should probably know this, is a dystopian picture about uh, a picture of society on a totalitarian strike. It's uh, the main character is Winston Smith, played by John Hurt, who goes through his life as a... Member of the middle class of society. Yeah, I mean, it's a middle class over a large lower class. Yes. The middle class is also pretty off, pretty poorly off. The middle class is about 17%, the lower yeah. class is about 83 so mm. not quite. So more like 15%, because mm-hmm. the upper class is like 3%. Yeah. So my math is completely wrong there, but I'm really close. But I mean, you get the idea of, you know, there's a massive lower class, a fairly small middle class, and then a very tiny upper class, which is, you know, the inner party in this case takes place in London, the capital city of the territory of Airstrip 1, and it basically, it doesn't necessarily really tell too much of a story other than give you a picture of what the dystopian society is like, what their new ideas are, and pictures Winston Smith as a uh, quiet objector, really. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he hates... In, in his thoughts, sort of this regime, hates, but he still works for them every day and lives his life. And, you know, eventually he does rebel a little more openly in having a relationship with another person and eating banned foods and things like that. And, you know, is chastised for it. Oh, yeah. But, in any case, that's the basic premise with some spoilers. The basic premise. I mean, this is one of those... It's, it's To say that we're spoiling this, it, the, the movie does not deviate. I, I also haven't read the entire book. I... I after seeing the film, I decided I have to read this because I'm definitely it's on my list. You, now you, too. you, you can see that there are things that are removed. There are, and but not only that, but I think that this was just never going to. I I have to admit I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed the ideas behind it, which is why I'm going to read the mm-hmm. book. But as a movie, I just I don't know that it was ever really meant to be a movie. It's one of those stories to me that. The, the the actual plot is a, is fairly thin. You you went over it basically that you know this one you know working stiff guy you know hates the world's regime you know falls in love with this woman and they have a relationship which is highly taboo in this world to have a extramarital relationship and this sort of leads down another path of you know vocalizing his rebellion, but not actually doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. And they meet this other man, O'Brien, 
who who plays a bigger role. I think we're going to get that a little later in the podcast when we talk about him him in the film and definitely. Did he play, did he play a bigger role in the film or the book? Um, I'm just getting to the point in the book where he's you know appearing as a bigger role. Okay, but I, I think that the, the where he plays his biggest role isn't changed. And for the record, that much. For the record, O'Brien is played by Richard Burton, and this is his final film role, but he does it very well. Yeah, this is this is not one of those cases like uh, Raul Julia, where you know, your final film role isn't exactly a crowning achievement. Adam's Family? Yeah. No, um, Street Fighter 2. That's M. Bison. Oh, no. That was the final film he recorded. Oh, say it ain't so. It, it's so. It's not his final film released, though. There's another film he released after that. Well, that gets complicated. But it is the final film that he recorded. Interesting. But anyways, Richard Burton did fantastic. He, he I would actually say he is the, the shining gem in this film. I concur with that. I mean, I like John Hurt's acting. I think he does a good job as Winston Smith. I honestly think everyone did the their acti- work right. It's the just- acting is good, but this is... The book, at times, reads like a treatise on... The, the world of the time. And, and the movie does too, and that makes for a really, really boring movie. It makes for a boring movie, and it, the movie, it's interesting to look at. I like the way the film looks in general, the way society looks, because, you know, trying to get across the points. Yeah. But you, it doesn't make for a easy-to-watch film. and I mean, I enjoyed it, but that's because I, like, I can easily just look at a film and enjoy it. I enjoyed parts of it, but as a, as a on a whole, I I would not have continued into it if not forced. Not because not, not forced by the list. Yes, um, I like that they filmed it like in that right proper time period mm-hmm. in the proper location. Uh, it still felt like the technology felt like weird because like they they tried to stay loyal to their time period, but the technology wasn't there. Like George Orwell just assumed we'd be further ahead. Than we were, and that 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 struck me as w- some of the like, some of the ways like the telescreens and whatever, which is very old fashioned. I, I think they wanted it to look almost like the, the time period it was written in. That to sort of say that we don't advance that much other than in a few key areas between you know the nineteen. 19- 40s, 50s, when the, revo- when the revolution happens mm-hmm. in in the story, and to the, the present day of the film in 1984, that so sort of the only place where we really make advancements is in you know war and in spying. Fair enough. Well, there's some other advancements, and I was very impressed too with uh, Orwell's ability to predict places we go. Like, um, and some of it, I think, even had its roots down there, like the dictation via voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the telescreen that you know would see everything you could do. I mean, these are some the, the, interesting the, ideas yeah. from a nineteen nineteen twenty forty eight forty eight. Really, was that late? This was the year. Ah, okay. This this book comes out of a out of a post World War II early Cold War. So nineteen forty eight. I mean, like there were televisions. Yeah, there was TV. It wasn't a big thing yet. It wasn't ubiquitous. It wasn't very common. No. Um, you can see some of the some of the things they do though is definitely coming from that. Now, now that you've said that, now that I have a better idea when it came mm-hmm. out from a 1948 post World War II perspective, like like the two minute hate. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that where they're they're all meeting up in a group to like watch this thing and hear and 
the the speeches the, by right. the various leaders of the community or the of the party and to look at you know who the enemy is and so you know this nebulous but named enemy right because I think that um, I think that society back then was a little more likely like that was something they did more often to congregate. Um, if, if I mean, I, I was I was in the sixth grade when nine eleven happened, mm-hmm. and at that time we didn't have you know obvious hate events, but there were like you know patriot rallies essentially where everyone in the school would gather at the schoolyard and we'd all sing patriotic songs. And really? That, yeah. That's somewhat scary. This is into this is only you know twelve years ago, not even. So these I mean, ideas are still around. People who have stronger ideas about things, you know, still gather. But I, I, I guess as a society as a whole doesn't seem to really do that much anymore. Not often, but there are events that if you get the right mentality in. And he basically introduced the idea of a 24-hour news network. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing was screaming out news constantly. anytime it was around. And it was all lies. Of course. I mean, wait a second. Wait a second. So he really did. Are you sa- are you firm. saying George Orwell invented cable news? Absolutely. Oh God! It seems it seems uncannily accurate to say that. Speaking of, you, know, you haven't seen Network, have you? No, I haven't. That is a film you need to watch. Everyone look at how media has changed and how much that film predicts everything with cable news. Interesting. What was it made? Uh the seventies. Okay. So it. Is that the I'm mad as hell and I'm not yeah, take it anymore? That okay. film really preached a lot of interesting things of like spectacle news and mm-hmm. just a fascinating piece. One of one of my all time favorite movies. Fair enough. But yes, George Orwell invented the twenty four hour news network. Damn him. Although he did he you know, he didn't invent it to say, Hey, this is a great idea. No, no, no. I think he's quite <laughs> saying the opposite. Yeah. Um, I love that the Ministry of Love is there. Is how they break you. It, it's it's so that you love Big Brother and you love the party. His ideas were very interesting. I thought like I'm looking forward to reading the book just because like like the Room 101 and like basically the idea that is that you know you haven't broken someone until you've made them betray the thing they hold most dear. Yeah, I mean this has. I'm assuming a lot of this is in the book. I have not, not at this point, but it seems like every torture scene in media since this point comes from 1984. I mean, if you look at that, you know, the how many fingers am I holding up is how many lights are there in Star Trek. Right. Well, I mean, that's, I think that, I mean, my guess is that World War II might have brought, leveled us up with the ability to torture people and those ideas. But, you know, I guess I, them, their ideas make sense. The mm-hmm. logic makes sense. That you, you know, it does... Math and logic shouldn't matter. It should just matter what we tell you. And until you can say 2 plus 2 equals 5, then you're still embracing, you know, reality. Well, I, I don't know if that comes out of World War Two or out of the ideological wars that were building mm-hmm. in the late 40s. Sort of between what in this book becomes Oceania and what becomes, you know... What becomes Eurasia? Well, I read somewhere today that um, the, the former Soviet Union um, actually used some ideas from, like, used some of the things they do in this book, like uh, the fact that uh, being a fake resistance. The USSR used a fake resistance ploy to get people who were active rebelling against the state. So they knew who they were, and they could, you know, arrest them and detain them. Well, it's, it's a fairly interesting idea, and you, you kind of... It 
makes you think that there are more conspiracy theories out there. Mm-hmm. And, like, you almost want to, at least when I'm reading this, that, that you know, you look at, you want to, you, you look at things a little more skeptically. Definitely. And the, the, the idea that at the end of the movie, now he's been converted so wholeheartedly that he actually hopes he's going to be executed for his crimes. Well, because he betrayed Big Brother. And he loves Big Brother. Well, of course. That was it, was... it was very interesting, that that premise, and I think that you'd get a lot more out of it from the book. For, what, for instance, I didn't understand a lot of what was going on in the movie without, you know, keeping reading me running around. Wikipedia mm-hmm. constant on what was going on. Like, I didn't really get what he was doing for quite a while. I didn't get what the thing in the beginning was, even though I've role-played a propaganda machine yeah. person who leads hate circles. I didn't know it came from here. That, that was like, oh, that's where Paranoia got this from. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, but I, this is definitely one of those, hey, hey, fans of this book, we made this movie for you to, like, just look at the thing you love. Absolutely. That's the way I feel about this book. That's absolutely what it is. And for them, I bet they love it. But coming at it and then going backwards... It's tough to do. It really is. Um, but, it de- I mean, for both of us, it got us to, like, say, hey, we're going to read this book. Okay. And 1984 is not that long, is it? It's... It's uh, it's like 4,000 right? locations on Kindle, so that's I, I, like 200 I, pages, I think. Yeah, that's a really short book. Yeah. Interesting that they cram so much into it. But, I mean, I suppose, like, I'm coming at it from watching two, like, an hour and 50-minute movie mm-hmm. where, like, things really drug on. I suppose they don't really have to drag on that much in a book. I'd say that the world is a little more developed in the book for me. I'd like to see that, because they didn't really talk about some of the ideas that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, the proletariat is mentioned, yeah. but it's never really talked about in detail. The way they're mentioned is, there is only hope in the proles. Right. And you sort know, of the only line that they get. And you really never know. Oh, and that one whore that he goes to with the bruised leg. Mm-hmm. But, um... And there are some scenes that I didn't necessarily like. Not that I didn't like them, but I thought they were almost silly. Like the first scene where he meets his lover, whose name is... Julia? Julia, yeah. He meets Julia in the countryside, and at first it was a decent scene, because, you know, like, it's just a funny scene where they, like, chat, like, they're basically one-upping each other. Of who hates the party more. And what what sort of horrible things about the party can I say more? But then, like, this weird... Then it becomes an awkward British sex scene. It really is an awkward British sex scene. They get naked, which is fine. And then, like, she kind of, like, floats towards the camera, and there's just some weird choices It feels like a 70s sex scene more than an 80s sex scene to me. That's as close as they can get to really even explaining it away. It's just really weird. Yeah. And it didn't really belong that much. And I felt like the nudity wasn't a bad thing. The nudity made sense. Um, Just ugly people nudity. It's ugly people nudity, without doubt. But the nudity made sense because they're all wearing these uniforms, and that's what they're supposed to wear, and everything's supposed to be very proprietary. Uh, And then it made it even more shocking when they finally meet in this little apartment that they rented um, on the down low. And she makes him turn around, and then he turns around, and she's in a dress, and she's wearing makeup. And that's that. Then I think the nudity from earlier and the uniforms everywhere made that so much more of a shocking scene. Like, oh god, I didn't realize what was missing until, but yeah, until I see it. So I liked that choice, but it's like the sex scenes were horrible. It's I can't think of many British films I've seen that have a pleasant to watch sex scene. 
I can't say that I've really seen that many British films and let alone, you know, studied the sex scenes in them, but but this was not up so, there. Some podcasts we'll do is British sex scenes. Well, someone's going to... Keep it in classy, all geeks considered. Someone's going to request it now. <laughs> or have yeah, ideas But if it's it. Vince A, no. Right, you're going to have to get a petition with at least 50 signatories. If you can get one of those whitehouse.gov petitions and have President Obama set, give us a response about it, then we'll do it. What is that, 5,000? No, it's more now. It's I think it's 10,000. Did they have to up it? I think they upped it twice. I think they quadrupled it after the Death Star one. Right. Because apparently that one was too easy to do. So he had to, you know, challenge the internet to do a 10,000 person uh, petition. Alright, so if you can get 10,000 other people to request a podcast on British sex scenes, we'll do it. With joy in our hearts. And pride in our fandom that we can get 10,000 people to, make, to get us to do something. Seriously, after, our, after they write their names on the petition, they're going to write... Who the hell are these people? Maybe we'll get 100 other listeners for that episode. That'd that be- week will be the most the number one podcast on iTunes. Something to shoot for. You're on the drop, Vince. In any case, um, all in all, what I got out of this, uh, the music, oh, I should talk about the music before we go. There were some issues with, the, I guess, the Arrhythmics. Yeah, the Arrhythmics did some of it. And- but there were, I guess, there was conflict there. Um, I thought the music fit. It was, it was... Very Soviet. Very for a lot of for some of it, and some I like the incidental. Very Soviet. Some of it was a little jarring, which I think was I think jarring it, at the appropriate. It times. shouldn't be. It shouldn't. The film shouldn't be comfortable. Right. It wasn't comfortable. I there was, you know, for the hour and fifty minutes, I definitely like I wasn't at ease. I wasn't able to relax watching this film. So they did a good job there. But in any case, I didn't like the film that much. I won't watch it again. But it's made me go and want to watch, want to read the book. So I guess it succeeded there. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy it in that way that I kind of like Soviet style. I, I do. I have a weird thing that I like that like Dadaist look that, that the Soviets were really into. I like Rocky Four. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's almost that's almost a sequitur. I'm just saying, you know, that's the closest I come to really Russian anything. Oh, except um, Night Watch, which is a very interesting Russian science fiction movie. Mm, not to watch that. Should we add it to the list? You should add it to the list. Okay. Night Watch is pretty good. I mean, I do like some of that, like that grandiose aesthetic, and mm. but in any case, like, what, so what your final ruling? If you've read the book, you might want to check out this film. Mm. But other than that, I can't say, see this film first. No, and I would say, I would say, though, if you haven't read the book, the movie made me intrigued enough that I recommend you go out, like, without reading it, having read it yet, I recommend you stick it on your list. I think that certain ideas in it will help you maybe have a better idea about who you want to be in our society now, especially with all the things that are going on in our government. Plus, it's... People talk about this book almost all the time, and you know, sort of talk about the idea of a society that's monitoring people and and the ideas in the book. But there's more to the book than that. And I think that's it's an intriguing conceptualization of if you look out your window, if you watch the news channels that you trust, 
and you see what's going on, you know, we're moving closer and closer. I'm not one of the people who are saying, you know, oh, my, all my freedoms are being taken away. But we're less free than we were. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. But it's interesting to look at that from the point of view of 1984. So try to do that. In any case, what's next on the delve? The next up on the delve is a anime film called They Were Eleven. Um, we look up the Japanese title right now. It is a fairly, if I remember correctly, it's fairly short. It's only an hour long. Yay! Uh, sorry, ninety-one minutes long. Ooh. Oh, sorry, hour and a half. <laughs> but it's um based on an early comic for it's an early comic for girls from Japan. So it's. We're gonna. I mean, we have some discussion on that topic next time. I'm looking at a you know a sci-fi film aimed at women, aimed at young girls. I am intrigued to watch it now. Anyways, that's it for the delve this week. We'll see you next time with they were eleven.